Welcome to episode 34 of Collector's Quest. On this episode, we talk about collecting on a budget and collecting for the 3DS. And to do that, we brought in someone who knows all about it, the 3DS collector. You can find him on Instagram. He's got a great collection. Be sure to check him out. If you like what we're doing, be sure to go to iTunes and go ahead and give us a, a nice review. That helps the show grow. For those of you who have missed the announcements, remember the Collector's Quest podcast now has its own Instagram page, not just Cat and I, so look for content there. And we've also moved some content to YouTube. Now, we don't have every episode there yet. We're still experimenting, but you will be able to find this episode there if that is your preferred listening method. Lastly, you can find us on Google Play if that's what you like. All right, stay tuned. to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Kat here with Johnny. Hey Kat, how's it going? It's good, but it's not just you and I today. We have a guest. Yes, we have the 3DS collector from Instagram and his name is Chris and he's a guy I've known for a little while, met on the Sega Age forums back in the day and he's here to talk to us about one, collecting for the 3DS and then, you know, a, a little bit about how to collect on a budget and then to having kids and being married, something you and I don't have to deal with. You and I, we got two incomes, we have no kids, we don't have to think or budget. Chris, on the other hand, has three kids and has to think about that, but that wasn't always the story, so he'll kind of lead us through it. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Johnny. Thank you guys so much for having me here today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. So, true, you have three kids? I have three kids. And you are married? I am married. (laughs) All right. Is is that, uh, you collect kids now? Yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. No, um, look, I, I love gaming. I love collecting. Um, it's been a part of me since I was three years old. Um, there's an infamous picture floating around the house somewhere of me playing Atari back in like 1983. Um, so it, it started from an early age. Um, but like you said, things have obviously changed throughout the years. Um, you know, my mindset has changed. The, um, the genre has changed. Uh, just coll- everything about collecting has changed, and um, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to keep up when you have other things going on. So, you know, I'll talk you through some of that as we as we go through this today. Okay, so let me take you to the point in which uh, we ma- we meet, and that's sure. uh, circa 2009 on Sega Age when it first opens up. And um, well, actually, I take that back. Why don't you tell us when you began collecting and what you were collecting? Let's let's start at the very beginning. Sure. So the the first time I actually thought about games as a, a collection was back in 1999. Um, I was still living with my parents, getting ready to move out, and I was moving some boxes around, and I pulled out my old Nintendo. And a lot of those games that I had back in the day, they weren't great. I had a couple decent games, but I had sold them all off in exchange for some Sega Genesis and some Super Nintendo stuff because I was always kind of, you know current with my gaming okay so i pulled out the nintendo i was like oh it'd be great to go back and play some of these games specifically Mega Man, because uh, i love Mega Man. so i wound up taking a 40 minute trip to the closest funko land in my area and i wound up just on a whim i just bought Mega Man one through six cart only took them home played through them it was great and then from there it was like well what else did i miss on the nintendo because i never had Mega Man five and six 
everyone else in the neighborhood kind of had a different Mega Man game. I had two, and I had other friends that each had a, a different one. So we kind of all played them a little bit, but I never seriously sat down and said, okay, I'm going to get into this and master these games. So once I did that, I was like, well, what else did I miss? I had the first Castlevania, but I never played two and three, so let me buy those. I had Ninja Gaiden 2, but I didn't have one and three, so let me buy those. So very quickly, it became what games did I miss that I really enjoyed other versions of. And I started amassing this collection from there. Then it jumped to Super Nintendo. I had a lot of friends at the time. I worked at a comic book store. So people coming in and out, I get to know them. They're like, yeah, I have a couple video games at home. You know, I'd be happy to bring them in for you. And I buy some. Some people would just give them to me. I started amassing this huge, huge, huge collection until about 2002 when I decided I was going to take another stab at going back to college. Um, kind of went for a year. I was going to do music education. It's like, it's not really for me. So I kind of went about and did my own thing. Came back and said, um, you know what, let's do this again. So I was going to take some summer classes at school and realized, like, it's extremely expensive to take. Some of these classes were, were way up there in price. Um, and I didn't really have, like, a lot of savings. I had some, but not enough to justify blowing it all on a couple classes just to catch up. So I wound up selling a lot of those games. My Nintendo and Super Nintendo collection pretty much went down to a handful of stuff each. And I was able to avoid taking out loans for that um, for that summer. I, I paid for all my classes, and it was kind of good. Um, but it really left a hole in in my soul. Like I just I like gaming, I like collecting. So slowly but surely, throughout that time period, I started building up a couple more games here or there. You know, trying to fill in in gaps. Prices started to rise a little bit. Nothing like we see today, but they were they certainly started to move up a little bit on certain titles. And yeah, that's kind of how it started with me until. About 2007, when I got married. Okay. So, yeah. 2007, and that leads into yeah, child one and marriage, and that's where right. I, I pick you up kind of in 2008, uh, to, or 2009, and uh, you are, your wife is either pregnant or about to become pregnant, and uh, baby number two on the way. So, how did baby one kind of change how you were collecting? Uh, it changed a lot because we had to think about... Uh, we had to think about the way our income worked. We had we had dual income at the time, but with having a kid, like you always want to have somebody. You got to have somebody home. Like you think the baby's not just gonna chill out by itself while you while you go and try to make some money. Um, so one of us always had to find a way to be home. Um, and we have some family that's local, but you know they that shouldn't be the rule. That should be the exception to the rule. You should be home with your kids. I'm not gonna get on a rant about that. Uh, but you should be home with your kids. So we found out like. Any job that I ever took, it was always like, well, I'm working on their schedule. I work when they want me to work. And my wife runs her own business, so she could kind of make a schedule around that. But it kind of tightened up. Like, she couldn't really work as much as she wanted to um, or to make the income that we wanted her to um, because she always had to kind of work around when I was going to be home um, with the kids. And then you kind of pair that up with spacing. Like, we live in a townhouse. Well, we have a very nice home, but space is limited for things like video games and so on. Um, so I really had to kind of tighten it up a little bit and decide, like, you know, kind of focus on, on what I really wanted to collect. And at that time, for me, it was the Sega CD. And that's that's kind of where you found me on Sega Age, where I really loved some of those quirky games that were on that system. And there were some great games on that system, too. Um, some really nice RPGs, but a lot of weird just stuff that wouldn't fly today. No, no. Marky Mark <laughs> is that's one of the best games. It stands the test of time. And I'm sure it'll be right up there with Zelda and Mario in the Hall of Fame one day. Just saying. Yeah, 
when everything is said and done, Marky Mark and Criss Cross are going to be looking down upon all these other games like you should have stuck with us. Yeah, and Scotty, Scotty Pippen Slam Fest and NXS and My Paint. You know, who didn't love My Paint? <laughs> Colors of Modern Rock, anyone? Not even a game, but for the Sega CD as well. <laughs> it's so funny that you look back at this system and you think like, I don't know, like, hey, we have all this new storage capacity for these games now. What should we do? And it's like, how about pixelated music videos? That'll sell. And at that time, like, those those groups and that music was kind of, I guess it was hot at the time. Like, I don't know. Chris. I definitely remember it. But look, it didn't sell. It, it was the worst idea in the world. I'm not justifying know. it by any means. No, Chris. To be fair, Criss Cross is going to make you jump, jump. They oh, will. my gosh. That's true. They're also going to make you wear your clothes backwards. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a given. <laughs> if you're going to jump, jump, you're going to have to have your clothes on. Kat, are you ready? Are you going to make a video of you doing this? I really want to see it. No, probably not, but I think I know what our intro music is. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> if there's an 8-bit version, that just might be in the intro. For those yeah. of you who don't realize, I pick a song of the week and make it our intro music. If you find an 8-bit version, I expect that that's going to be the intro. <laughs> I expect so as well. Anyways, I, back to I guarantee uh, it. So the, we're back the to lameness the Sega of CD. Sega CD. Yeah. So I was collecting pretty hard for the Sega CD, and it was still collecting for that system. I know that people had done it. It, it wasn't necessarily the newest of territories, uh, but there was still stuff to be discovered for that system. Um, well, and it was cool getting together with that group of people and really kind of like delving in hardcore on you know what actually exists, what variants are out there. Um, how many of each copy of the games were made and so on. And, and some of that stuff, we, I still don't know how many copies of Lunar, the Silver Star there are out there. But it's definitely not rare. No, no one knows. But there's a lot of, you know, everyone always like, the default answer on how many games were made when someone thinks it's rare. I heard there was only 5,000. <laughs> right. It's what everyone says. You're like, where the f- where <laughs> the heck did you get this number? Oh, oh 5, clean 000. lyrics. <laughs> yep, clean lyrics. There they go. Uh, yeah. So where where did you find this? 5,000 number. What are you talking about? Everyone's like, there, there are no formalized records. We would have to have, uh, the distributors list of, you know, product invoices to say how many went out or were produced. And Sega isn't exactly known as the, uh, the great record keeper of all of their systems and games. I mean, they're just, there wasn't even a good list of Sega games. Chris, like, right when I was meeting you, and that's how we got started on this. I was fighting the fight on other forums for people who said, nope, this is the list of every, every Sega CD game ever made. I'm like, no, those games were not produced. There's no physical evidence that that game exists anywhere in the whole world. But people would fight me. I made I made some not friends on uh, a few forums for my um, strongly worded disagreements of their knowledge about the Sega CD. It's it's weird. It's like either either you can you can prove it exists or or you can't. Like there's no like oh this is it and that's it. Well just show me a picture of it and I'll believe you. Right, picture then, didn't happen. It's a come on, yeah. show me. And that's the end of their conversation. But no, but people go I no I remember. You don't understand. <laughs> I played this as a kid. I did. You don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. And it's like I know. 
motherfucker. I know what I'm talking about. I'm documenting <laughs> this shit. What are you doing? You're just right. You're just over here in shit town giving me your stupid opinion without any facts. You do not know what you were talking. I'm a little bit still frustrated. It's been I- it's been a few years, but uh, these are fights. I, as I do a lot of research, as you guys know. I have these fights all the time, and it's always some asshole going, nope, I remember it from when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, yeah, your five-year-old memory, I'm sure, is just the best. I'm sure you remember being five, just clear as day. I feel like you have such extensive, extensive lists that you probably are going to be correct. I always side with myself, and I know I know that's uh, like a strong bias. But one, uh, I've done a lot of research. I did it in school. I'm trained in it. I'm an analyst. I, I mean, I do like I do this stuff a lot, and it's not nothing against anyone who who knows stuff. Because look, I reach out to people like Chris when I first met him, like for their knowledge. I I want as much knowledge. Where what I can't handle is when people like I think or I feel like I'm not really interested in your your feelings on the issue. Or what you might believe. I, I need more concrete evidence than that. So we've derailed this whole thing into a rant about people and their lack of, you know, ability to research properly. Uh, let's let's get back on track. Sega CD, sure. go ahead, Chris. Sorry. All right. So I was collecting pretty heavy on the Sega CD, and I was probably 20 or 30 games away from a full set. But what dawned on me was, you know, the one, the quality of the games just wasn't there. And and like I said earlier, I'm a I'm a gamer first and a collector second. So owning all this cool stuff was was great, but I wasn't playing any of it. Um, and I kind of got disillusioned with like trying to spend big money on games like Marky Mark and Criss Cross and NXS. Like it just doesn't seem like the best thing to do. Um, with the limited space that I had. Um, and so I decided to get out of the Sega CD game. And I had some really nice pieces in that collection. But I wound up selling them and moving over, I think, at that point to grabbing a couple more things on the NES that, that I didn't have. And also um, getting into the PSP. Um, because the PSP was a system that was kind of phasing out. Games were really cheap at GameStop. Even some of like the top-notch RPGs for that system could be found at really, really great prices. Um, and that's kind of what I was about, you know, just trying to save money. You know, starting to build a family, thinking about having the, the that family expand in the future, which which now it has. Yeah, and that right when you right at the end of Sega CD, that's where Baby yeah. Two comes involved, right? Yeah, yeah, Baby Two comes along, and it it's not really like a game changer because we kind of already had that format in place. It's just everything we did was a little bit harder, a little bit more work. But we had the timing down as far as jobs and, and such were concerned, so we didn't have to – we had already figured out that aspect of it. All right, so I want to make a – I just want to understand this. Sure. Much like killing someone, children – you know, the second one is easier. Is that true? Oh, my God. Yeah, so um, I never really killed anybody, so I can't comment on that. You live in Baltimore. I, well, I live isn't, north of Baltimore. Well, don't you guys – like, isn't that like Sunday pastime? Aren't you being stereotypical? <laughs> Yeah, right? Well, I think stats actually kind of backed me up on the Baltimore thing. Like maybe. Murder Town, USA. I, I don't live, I don't, I live maybe 40 minutes away. Um, okay. when I, when I visit the city, um, I, are you visit, packing? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the wire. You probably should be. I, I visit, I visit safe places. Both of the, both of the stadium complexes in Baltimore are right at the Inner Harbor. And it's like pretty much the safest place you can go in Baltimore. So. Um, and it's right off of 95, so I have no problem at all. Okay. All right. But I, 
from what I've heard, and I've never murdered anyone, but I hear the second one is easier, and that's what you're saying about kids too. Second, second child was easier because you already had established a system. Yeah, yeah, there was a system in place. Like I said, everything like laundry doubles, diapers double, food double. Like everything is harder, but because you have that system in place, you kind of know what to expect, and you're able to you're able to compensate. I mean, human. I mean, we're meant to reproduce, right? That's what we do. So maybe. I, I can't reproduce, Chris. Well, okay. All I'll right. never All make right. a baby. I, I worded, I worded that incorrectly. Knife. I worded that incorrectly, and I knew that, too. I'm, I apologize for that. I apologize oh, to everybody, I'm not to everybody about on this podcast. <laughs> I apologize here and now. This is live. This yeah. is live content. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Go on. But as a species, as a species, we reproduce. So you mean a there's a biological imperative to continue the species? Got it. However you want to word it. However you yeah. want to word Moving it. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, so about that Sega CD. Um, <laughs> but it, it's very natural. When you have a child, it's very natural to kind of understand how to take care of the child is, is the point I was getting at. So you have the system in place, another child comes along, and it just it's just the new routine. Not a whole lot changed from one to two. It just becomes a little more work, a little more expensive. You have a little less space to deal with. And I had already pretty much you know, had a budget kind of in place and the way I was collecting. At that point, it was just a matter of shuffling around what I was collecting to kind of be happy with what I had and to be content because as a collector, you always are like, all right, well, what else is out there? What else can I add to my collection? Because there's, there's so many things. There's so many systems, platforms, um, games, sequels, re-releases of games and so on. So it's kind of, you know, some people want to get every single game and I wish I could be up there with them, but the reality kicks in that I can't. So... The PSP kind of found a home with me for a little bit until the Vita was announced. And the Vita wasn't um, physically backwards compatible with the PSP. You kind of had, bought, had to rebuy those games digitally. And I wasn't about trying to rebuy those games to play them on a nicer screen. And I had already done a good deal of damage into that system anyway. I was about 200 games in. I had all the heavy hitters. I had most of the collector's editions. And so it was really... I didn't want to spend another 400 games um, or 400, you know, game money. What am I trying to say? I want to spend that much money on 400 games that were nonsense. Okay, so, so. you got big into big into PSP, PS Vita, kind of uh, their la- Sony and its continual lack of vision on backwards compatibility kind of screws with you. Right. And that's when Baby Three is coming, right? Or is that sooner? Or, or Baby Three is not here. Um. Baby 3 is not here quite yet. Okay, uh-uh. so during Baby 2, you say, sorry, sorry, PSP, you are garbage. Get out of my life. Yeah, pretty much. Um, after the podcast, I'll comment a little more about, about the, that decision. Um, okay. But as it stands now, I just kind of got disillusioned with 400 games of nonsense to try to pick up. And it was becoming harder to find those games, too, because at this point now, GameStop had pretty much taken everything out of the store. Whereas before, you could go in and, and get games for $0.89 cents or $1.99 or whatever. Now, I'd have to go online for everything or hope that the three people that bought a PSP in my neighborhood happen to have a yard sale because it, it wasn't the biggest seller in the world. So I was kind of like, well, this is going to be very tedious to collect for. It's not very popular. Most of the people that I talk to and I don't, I don't collect for anybody else, but it's nice to have conversations and kind of fit in with people and, and feel like you're part of the community. So when I'm like, yeah, I collect for PSP, and everybody's like, the what? 
yeah, I kind of knew like, all right, maybe I should move on to something different here because if I can't have conversations and talk to people, like I, there's no way I'm going to gather all the information myself. There's always going to be something that that's going to fall between the cracks. Um, as a community, when we all work together, it's great that we kind of fill in those gaps and we figure out the, the the true collection and all the variants and all that fun stuff that makes collecting so great. Um, so I was like, I'm all those things combined. I'm like, I'm going to sell the PSP. I'm going to take that money that I got and put it towards some other things. And that became the 3DS, right? It became the 3DS eventually, right about the time that Link Between Worlds came out, because that is, hands down, of all the games I've ever played in the past, Link Between Worlds almost murders every single one of them. I said murder. I'm from Baltimore. Get it? Yeah, Uh, yeah, we got you. Get it? I know. Second Uh, nature. So, (laughs) second nature. That game is just an incredible work of art. I'm not sure how Nintendo continues to, to put out masterpieces like that, at least in my opinion. But I love that game, and it was great timing with the the bundle coming out right around Black Friday, and Target honored the um maybe all the stores did maybe they honored that deal um where you could get it for one hundred and fifty dollars. So that was an easy decision for me because I already had some money in PayPal. All I had to do was put it in the bank, go buy the game on Black Friday, and that started me on my 3DS journey right there. Nice. And so what, like aside from that, aside from Link Between Worlds, what was what else was it about that 3DS? I mean, you, you mentioned community. And I think that's kind of the one thing Nintendo has over, like, Sony, at least right now, is you have so many generations of people who grew up with Nintendo now that everyone can relate to Mario and Link and, you know, Kirby's. That Like, everyone has kind of a shared experience with less so, you know, like, hey, Crash Bandicoot. Some people are like, who? Right. You know, uh, Crash Bandicoot's a great game made by one of my favorite, you know, developers, publishers. Uh, but it just doesn't have the same uh, as, hey, have you ever played a Mario game? Yeah, I'm, I'm the cliche Nintendo uh, enthusiast, where it's like, I grew up with Mario and Zelda, I still love Mario and Zelda, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Um, I love those games. So when I was looking at the 3DS, originally when it first came out, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff. There was like pilot wings and a very gimmicky-looking 3D um, screen. Steel and, Driver and Street <laughs> Fighter with lenticular yeah. cover. Yeah, yeah, that that cover though. Yeah, but um, <laughs> for for the collectors that like shiny things, here's some lenticular covers. We'll get into that with the 3DS collecting. But I looked, the the library wasn't there at the beginning, and even with knowing Ocarina of Time 3D was coming out, like I still own my pre-ordered copy for the Nintendo 64 back in '98, so I wasn't really worried about like that. Um, so I hesitated for a while until Link Between Worlds came out. And then I looked back at the games that had been released during that time, and I'm like, wow, there's some really solid games. And not only that, but the future of the 3DS, as far as what's coming out in the next year or two, looked super bright. A lot of people say that Nintendo really doesn't support their, their um, systems or doesn't really have third-party support. But for the handhelds, I think that's the complete opposite. There, there's so many great titles um, on the 3DS. Pokemon X and Y was really kind of like the second big draw for me. Once I played through Link Between Worlds and talk about generational things, I, I love the meme where it's like a bunch of kids are getting ready for the new Call of Duty to come out, and then you got all the adults screaming about Pokemon, <laughs> and that's definitely me. Like I, I get into Pokemon pretty hard. I think I between all the games, I each game I probably have about 200 hours logged in just from breeding and collecting and trading and playing and doing things like that. And it's something I can do with the kids around because the 3DS has this great feature where you just close the lid and it pauses your game. So I can immediately get up and do something, go right back down, open up the game, and start playing again. And it's it's 
absolutely the best the best invention ever. So Forget. it gives you something to be able to collect, but that you can also play and enjoy playing. Right, right. I gotta have that gamer aspect first. There's gotta be something on that system that I really wanna play, and then I build around that. And there's a ton of stuff on the 3DS that I really wanna play. And there's, there, like every system, there's some shovelware titles, but nothing nearly as bad as the Sega CD. Like, there's some, there's some horse games, and, and there's some crazy stuff like that on the 3DS. But when you look at the system as a whole, there's a lot of really solid titles, and I think they outnumber the junk. So it's just a real nice natural fit. And then bringing, you know, the kids and everything back into the story, like, it's, it's fun to collect on a budget. Um, because one of the things I tried to do before I really jumped in and said, instead of just picking up a couple games, I'm going to go for a full set. I wanted to research and say, what is the most expensive game on this system? And let's go from there. It's changed since then. But at the time, the most expensive game on the system was probably about a hundred or $150. And I think that's the, uh, Kingdom Hearts, um, 3D Mark of Mastery Edition. Um, and it may have gone up since then a little bit. I, I don't own that game yet. But that was the most expensive game at the time that I started thinking about collecting. And I'm like, well, that's extremely affordable for someone that, that in my position where I want to collect, but I don't always necessarily have the funds to justify spending one, two, three, four hundred dollars on a game sometimes just to complete a set. So all those things, the franchise games, the, the third party support and some of the quality like Atlas, Konami, um, Capcom. There, I think there's even one or two Xseed games on the system. But there's a lot of third-party support for it, a lot of franchise games, and it's so affordable. It really is. And I'm, I'm surprised that more people don't talk about it. I know there's a lot of us out there, but I'm surprised more people don't talk about the 3DS because I just, I love it. Okay. That, that's good to know about that, um, Mark of Mastery. That is still available and actually, in some cases, if you're looking for new or sealed, I see it going for 150 or less, and sometimes as much as two. But, you know, it looks like if you were patient, and I know you are a patient person always looking yes. to find, that's like one of your, your things, right? You always remain patient, and you don't just give in to the, oh, I feel like I need this game. You wait, right? That's what you do. Yeah, it could be a double-edged sword. Like, if you're if you're an NES collector and you wait on games, the chances are the price is just going to go back up on it. That's not always the case, but I've been in the hobby for so long, um, in and out of the hobby, as we discussed, um, to know that the best, the best deals I've ever gotten weren't from looking on eBay and buying something for market value. And, and they also don't make for the best story. I've never heard anybody say, you know what my best find was? I went on and I hit a buy it now on Mega Man at five. Like, no one would ever say that. The best deals are like, hey, my friend had a box of games, or I went to a flea market and I asked if they had anything else in the back or whatever. Those are the deals that, um, or those that get conversations started and, and, and form memories and kind of keep people motivated to collect. And so being patient kind of awards you some of those stories along with, along with having the item, um, instead of just going down a checklist of, okay, buy it now, buy it now, buy it now, which at the end game is the same. <clears throat> you still own all the games, but I think there's a little bit more storytelling involved. Uh, maybe this is interesting. I don't know. No, that's something Cat <laughs> Cat and I are, are invested in, and we've talked yeah. about this on on the podcast. Is you know the story and the narrative of your collection is important. Like, and if we ever sold it, you know you you don't lose the stories if you ever sold out your collection. And you're with exactly. me on that, right, Cat? Oh yeah, no. To me, it's more about the adventure and finding things than it is about the actual collection. Because I could part with the collection 
and rebuild the collection because that's not the fun part. Not having it there is cool, but that's not why I did it. It was about the adventure and finding it. That's so much more interesting to me. Yeah, we we agree on that. I mean, I I agree as well, and I think that's part of the reason why I, I had, throughout the years I've kind of swapped up what I've collected. For a while, I was heavy in the NES, and then you know into the the Sega CD, and then the PSP. Like shifting it around, kind of kind of keeps it fresh. But like you said, my name on Instagram is the 3DS Collector, and and the truth behind that is I really wanted to stay focused. I really wanted to kind of remind myself, like, hey, like this is this is what I set out to do. This is my goal. It's a very realistic goal. It's easy to see one game. Let's say I run into an NES game two weeks down the road, and it's extremely well-priced, and I pick it up. It's really easy to automatically become reinvested in that system and to start researching and go back and look, and how much is this game going for now? Who has what? And so on. Um, I wanted to stay focused. Um, and I do pick up things here or there, but I try to stay in that budget, and I try to look just at the 3DS. And so far, it's worked out really, really well. So well, now we're, we're kind of fully vested into the 3DS here. Um, why don't you give us a rundown, some some general facts about the 3DS, like how many games you have, one, how many games are in the system, tell us about some variants and big boxes, uh, inform anyone who else who says, hey, this guy I think has it right, I think I should collect 3DS, tell them how they should go about it. Sure, so right now on my list, I think I have 364 games that's not the most accurate list because there's some titles that I haven't confirmed as far as digital copies only. There's games on that list that haven't yet come out, so I don't know if there's going to be a digital copy only or if there's going to be physical attached to it. So let's say in the high 300s is where we're sitting right now. Okay, I mean it's a it's a living system. It's not a dead system, so that list is gonna you know it's gonna evolve. Exactly. So based on that that kind of roundabout total, I'm about a third of the way through. I'm a little over a third of the way through on that. A lot of those are collector's editions. I'm only missing a handful of collector's editions now, and I know you've seen my list. It has changed since then nice. a little bit. I've knocked a couple off, but I'm looking at maybe 15 or 16 more collector's editions that I still need. And some of them are as simple as just like, there's some Skylanders on there that I don't have. I put that under the collector's editions just because it's a big bundle box. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, even though it's, <laughs> I really shouldn't. I should just call it like box of junk and then collector's editions. Yeah, I I call I just call those things big box games, and then I don't have to worry about like some people call it special edition. Some of them are called collector's edition. Right. All the weird edition names I call I just call them big box or non-standard packaging. And that's right. how that solves a lot of problems. It, it definitely does. So, like I said, I'm about a third of the way through. I'm really, really particular about how I collect. And anybody that's getting into collecting for any system, look at the most expensive game on the system, especially if you want to collect a, f- a full set, and then decide if that's the system for you. That, that should be number one. If you're not going for a full set, then just look at the, the titles. Go. I would go to look at bestsellers on Amazon or bestsellers on any any video game website and just see, like, are these the games that you want to buy um, or that you want to play or whatever you whatever it is as a collector that you're into. And, then, and for me, the 3DS had the most games that I wanted to play because some games, like, for a while I had some PS1 RPGs, and I know a lot of people collect for that, and, and it's a great system to play, um, collect and to play for. Um, some of the stories on those games are absolutely incredible. But one thing I found personally as a gamer is some of those graphics on the, those early 3D titles with the polygon, 
they, they don't hold up that well. No, sprites, I think that's kind of why Super Nintendo and Nintendo Indoor sprites look a lot better than that early 3D. It just, especially on new TVs, looks super bad. You have to go jump through a lot of hoops to make it look good. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, and so that kind of takes me out of the, the, the story a little bit. I, I'm almost better served by reading a walkthrough sometimes than to, to try to go back and play some of, especially like the Saturn 3D games, because Saturn's 2D graphics were, were absolutely beautiful. But when you get to the 3D, it's like, uh, all of a sudden Panzer Dragoon Saga doesn't seem like a good idea. And then you look at the price tag on it and you're like, eh, it really doesn't seem like a good idea at all f- for me as a collector and a, and a gamer. So, that that's something I would definitely look at. It's like, what are you interested in playing? What is priced properly for your budget? Because some people have great big budgets, um, and some people do not. Um, so you really want to cater to to what is going to complete you as as a as a as a hobby. And so I went with the 3DS. Let's see what other questions did you have in there. I apologize because you kind of lumped a bunch into one. Oh uh, yeah, no, like tell us. Uh, I mean, you collect some of the special editions. Sure. And obviously, there's a lot of special editions for this. So. Is that something people need to collect? Are there some games that are only special editions? What what advice do you have? Like, do you feel like special editions make the collection, or if you know, are you fine with people who just go for basic card, uh, basic box only? Uh, I don't care what anybody wants to collect, really. Like, if you want the special editions, if that means something to you, then get it. If you want it just to play the game, or you want a nice uniform shelf with all just of the the white snap cases, then go for that. Like. It's really up to the, each individual. For me, it's not complete unless you have the collector's edition of the game. Um, and that's the standard that I've set for myself. I think they look pretty cool. The, um, I like everything kind of nice and OCD lined up in an alphabetical order. And I can't do that with the collector's editions because they're just all over the place. So I order them by size. So if you look at my shelf, like, um, Bravely Default or Bravely Second end layer is like on the, the left of my shelf. And then it just tears down until you get to smaller and smaller boxes. They're not in alphabetical order, but if I did that, it would look, it would look crazy to me. But yeah, like people just collect, collect what you want, collect what makes you happy, collect what you can afford, collect things that, you know, if you're collecting it for the collector's edition because you think you're going to be able to sell it later for something, maybe you should find a different hobby. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Some people do that and that's fine, I guess. But I collect things, like, if it's sealed on my shelf, it's because I haven't played it yet. I really don't have anything else to add to that, but... Okay, no, that, yeah. that's fine. I, I just wanted to... Everyone's kind of got a different take there, so I wanted to hear yours. I yeah. wasn't necessarily that this is the right or the wrong answer. I just wanted to see what side of the fence you fell on. I love, I love the bonus content. I love having... I love seeing artwork. So the bigger the package, the kind of shows off the artwork a little more. And that's one of the things I also collect for the 3DS, is I have a lot of display boxes that you would find in the stores. Um, they're about 11 by 12 inches, and they're just huge kind of reproduction copies of the box art for the games. They look absolutely beautiful. Um, it really shows off the artwork, and I don't see a whole lot of people talking about them. And when I do, I don't see many people that have more than one or two. They kind of have like their favorite game or one that they happen to grab at a store because it was on the shelf. But I didn't see too many people that were actually out and about trying to collect those and get a full set of those. So that's something... And if you look at my Instagram page, you'll see a lot of those pictures. I also put the display um, box in there, too. I think they look yeah. beautiful. So so for my answer in collector's editions, really, like, I love the big artwork. I love that you get a soundtrack and these kind of, like, special things in there. Sometimes you get bonus DLC content and, and things like that. So for me, like, 
that makes a complete set, but that doesn't mean it's a complete set for everybody. I know plenty of 3DS collectors that just want to have a nice uniform shelf with just snap cases and then call it a day. Okay, so let me give us a little bit of advice too for people who are new collectors. What should they be looking out for? Like what what are some of the uh, I, I call them hurdles? Like what are some of the hurdles to collecting the 3DS? Because like stadium events for uh, you know NES is like the biggest hurdle in the world. Right. Like, okay, how do I overcome that? Super Nintendo has, uh, you know, a high average value on the game and then a couple super expensive ones. Um, so like what, what is it for the 3DS? Are there no hurdles right now? Like what, what are some of the things that might make it difficult to collect for? The, the, the biggest hurdle for me so far has been Fire Emblem Fates special edition. The pre-orders for that sold out immediately. Well, it was also a huge stupid cluster. Like there was, the, the the same thing that always happens with these companies where they they don't know how much inventory they have so they oversell and then they cancel pre-orders which right. makes me want to stab people makes me want to move to Baltimore and commit murder <laughs> you know that's the third time Johnny that's <laughs> yeah. the third time now yeah well, are you gonna kill me <laughs> should I be worried <laughs> no I don't no I'd rather pick up a couple 3D games and blow my budget on a on a plane ticket to uh, sunny California yeah agreed. I'll let you just sweat it out out there, and I'll stay in the nice, nice cool breeze. Sweet here in Maryland, <laughs> excellent. Drenched in blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that 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 is the biggest hurdle for me because it it took it took Kingdom Hearts Place as the most expensive game as far as the, the research I had done. It went from being retail seventy nine ninety nine to now being over two hundred dollars. And again, if I'm patient and I find the right seller and I find the right condition of the the item, I might be able to get it a little bit cheaper than that. But I haven't pulled the trigger yet. That that would take a big dent out of what I'm able to spend, and I'm not ready to do that yet. That's going to be something that I might finish up the set with and just kind of be like the last hurrah. But that's definitely a hurdle. Um, I know a lot of people are looking for that, so I apologize if I drop some names on these games and people are still looking for them. But no, that's it's, what we're. I mean, we we cater to other collectors, so I have confidence that if someone in our that's listening picks it up, it went to a good home. Cool. So the, the the second game that's the biggest hurdle is Frogger 3D. Um, not the standard case, even though the standard version is is also hard to find. Um, but they, Konami came out with a collector's edition that had a um th- a 3DS collector's case. It fits the old style 3DS. It doesn't fit the XLs. Um, and it came in a big box. Um, and they rarely show up for sale anywhere. And I actually have a really good story about how I got my copy. What happened okay, so was. Uh, one came up for sale on eBay, and a friend of mine that's a fellow collector, I believe he was the buyer of that game. And it went for, if you look for, you know, completed items on eBay, you'll probably find that auction. It went for a, a great deal of money, and that's way out of my budget. What's, what's so, a great deal of money? How much? It was it was over 100 let's put it that way. Okay. So for me, dropping the bucket for some people, for me, a lot of money. So, okay. <laughs> What I did is I went on Amazon and I noticed like there was no listing for the anniversary box. Either no one, everyone was too lazy to make one, or it just no one had one to to make. They probably didn't have it skewed into their system. Maybe. So what I did is I went into the the standard listing for Frogger 3D and I very tediously emailed every single seller, asking them if the copy they had was the anniversary edition with the big box or the standard version. And maybe the first like ten or so replies I got were all two words: standard edition, standard version. Like there was no like, hey, thanks for contact, nothing, just standard. And that that'd be the only response I get. 
And then when I'm kind of feeling defeated, I, I finally get an email that says, hey, I had listed my game under the standard version because I didn't see another option, but it absolutely does have the other stuff, and I put it in the package if you're interested. So I immediately added it to my cart, bought it, and the price I paid for it was about 30 Nice. Yeah, and... That's, it is very hard to find. I've been looking for it for a while. Extremely. It's one of those games where, for me, I'm going to say that I'm going to cut cut this part out, and right in the middle, I'm going to say, like, there's four things that, that add up to me to collecting, and it's time, effort, money, and luck. When you add those four things together, you get collecting, no matter what it is. It doesn't have to be video games. And for me, like, money isn't always something that I can ramp up to compensate for the other ones. So I have to rely on, on timing. I have to rely on the amount of effort that I spend on doing things. And sometimes I have to rely on luck and just being at the right place at the right time. And so that's one of the ones where I knew, like, if I just sit around and wait, there's going to be a lot of competition for this game to show up on eBay. It's going to get bid up crazy. It'll probably go for more money than the other one did because now people are seeing that it's a, a hard-to-find item. And so I ramped up the effort aspect of it. And like I said, I went on Amazon, I emailed every seller, and I finally got a hit on one. And so that made me really, really happy. I feel like that's a story that I can share and feel good about the what I did as a, um, as a consumer. <laughs> because nice. you can't... It, it's not going to pop up again for a while. And you would think... Normally, what would happen is somebody sees something that they didn't think was rare sell for a good deal of money, and then you start to see more show up because people are like, oh, I want to cash in while this item's hot. Yeah, and that does happen. And I still haven't seen a copy of that game since that happened. So that that tells me like there there's an actual rarity to this item. Well, and it also has to do a little bit with demand, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's Frogger. So like, right. how many people are like, oh shit, yeah, another edition of Frogger for the collection? Exactly. I mean, and I, I'm a guy who loves some Frogger and, and own multiple copies, not just because of sets, but like as a kid, I had the, you know, the, the little mini cab of Frogger. I loved Frogger and I'm still not like a super Frogger enthusiast now as an adult. I'm not like, oh yeah, I really want to get these Froggers, all of them. And there are a lot of Frogger games out there. There definitely are. But yeah, like you said, it's not one of those big titles, but it's, it's certainly rare. And, and that was, that was going to be a hurdle for me, but I ramped up. I've ramped up that effort, and and for that particular game, it paid off. So I was really happy about that. Yeah, uh, I'll just interject real sure. quick. And and this is just about rarities for people who who don't like think about it. If a game is rare and also has no demand, that is the most frustrating and hard item to find. Be and sometimes being rare will create demand, but that is not always the case. And sometimes you know there's so much demand when an item isn't actually rare. Think about Earthbound. That's a game that creates a lot of demand, so its price goes up. You know, then there's things like Frogger, which are rare, and then there's a, a small amount of demand, which keeps the price high, but there's not enough to demand to make people invest in selling it. So as a collector, games like Frogger are just like the biggest pain in the ass to find. It's in that sweet spot of super difficult. I agree. I agree. And sometimes when you're collecting and, and you're looking for a specific item, it just waiting for it to show up online somewhere, like you're putting a lot of responsibility on the sellers out there to do stuff. It's not go out and look for it. Go do the old fashioned way and just ask people if they have it, which is what I did and it paid off. I if I went down that list again today and asked everybody, I'd I'd get a bunch of standard responses again. Um I think just the timing was right. 
but I wouldn't have known that. And then the game wouldn't have sold either. The game would have just sat online because people were like, I'm not going to pay $30 for a standard version of Frogger. That seems ridiculous. The game's probably about 15 or 20 bucks. Um, but you add that box and that case into it, um, and all of a sudden it, it's a big collector's item. So you just have to be lucky sometimes, but you also have to put forth that effort before you're going to have anything in return. Right. I mean, I, I think some of um, the Lego games are kind of falling into that that same area where the package doesn't look enough different, um, the demand isn't quite there, and the standard editions are super cheap. So, you know, some of those get tough to find. Yeah, there's five there's five Lego games on the 3DS that have bundles with them, and by bundle I mean it comes with a little Lego figure, a keychain, or whatnot, and it comes in a nice big premium box like you would expect, like the Atlas or Xseed stuff to come in, and they're extremely hard to find. I don't know if they were Target exclusives. I can't really no. find as much information on where they were sold. I just know that I never physically saw any of them for sale anywhere. Well, like you, a Lego, the Lego Avenger one, I know it's not an exclusive because you can find that at Toys R Us all day. Okay. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if they were all exclusives or what. I think the Jurassic Park one was. Some of them may have been Walmart exclusives as well. Like I know some of the Batman, maybe Batman was. I'm not sure. I'm still missing the Jurassic World bundle, but I have the other four. Yeah, I got lucky with the the Jurassic World. In fact, mine was just a box. I found someone selling the box for $5, but then it's still the same standard case one, and I found someone selling the minifigure, so I, I had to build a build a set. Whatever it takes to get it done. Like I Well, you know, that's that's my way. Yes. Um, let's see, what other hurdles are on the system? There with a the new system where they're, where they're still developing games, you kind of get these like, oh, the game's not being the game's not being printed anymore. They're going to stop distribution of a certain game. And you saw that kind of happen with Ocarina of Time 3D, where all of a sudden there was speculation like, hey, they're not going to make any more of copies of this game. The price is going to go up, and the price shot up to like $60 for a standard version of the game. And then it finally came back down, and then, of course, they released the Nintendo Selects version, and it helped bring the price down even more. But it's like it's weird how like just the, just a little bit of speculation changes the price of some of these games um you know from 20 25 dollars all the way up to 60 and it, it's all just rumors who knows like what actually was going on there's a couple games like cubic ninja and then another game that was just announced or that somebody just found out about yesterday that um but games like that where they, they're finding ways where there's code in the game that they can exploit the operating system on the 3ds and then use that to to, to load homebrew games and, and things like that on there and as soon as like Nintendo finds out about it, they usually like try to recall copies or take it off the eShop or whatever, and then you see the price do all kinds of ridiculous stuff for a little bit, and then... Cubic Ninja was $10, and then it went up to like $100. Yeah, I definitely didn't pay either one of those prices for that. I'm somewhere towards the 10 but uh, still higher than that. I still don't have a Cubic Ninja because I missed the boat on that and refused to, to pay the higher price. Yeah, well, now it got... There's speculation. Some people say it got reprinted. Some people say that GameStop just re-released the stock that they had pulled. But either way, every GameStop in my area seemed to mysteriously have a complete copy for sale um, as of two or three weeks ago. So if you feel like spending $35, which I don't know that many people do for Cubic Ninja, um, it's there. So Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Okay, so those are some of the hurdles. Any other general tips before we kind of wrap up the 3DS stuff and get into the end game of the podcast? Yeah, because it's a new system, just take advantage of of sales at stores and things like that. Uh, like if you're an Amazon Prime member and you get that 20% off, 
I mean, it works on collector's editions. So there's a couple games coming out soon, like uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse um, Corpse Party. Um, there's a couple games with collector's editions where that 20% off on a new game is extremely nice. Um, because a lot of those, like, Exceed and Atlas games, they tend to hold their value pretty well. And so that's a great way to get a, a, a game for a little bit cheaper than you would than you would normally be able to find it. Let's see what else is there. Also, when I play, when I buy games and I'm on a budget, the first thing I did is I went on GameStop's website and I said, okay, give me a list of all the games that are priced $4.99 and under. And I came up with a shopping list of probably 75 or 80 games that are $4.99 or under. And that doesn't necessarily mean the games your local GameStop is going to have all those games. In fact, there's some games on this list that I'm not even sure I'm ever going to see a copy in my local GameStop just because they're the shovelware titles that you wouldn't expect anybody to trade in. Um, like Gem Smashers or, or Freaky Forms Deluxe or Pets Fantasy or, um, you know, those type of games. And so I made a shopping list, and then when I'm online or I'm at the store, I use that as a basis for am I going to spend money on this game. And since I've been using that format of kind of knowing where that 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 line is, I've gotten a lot of games on eBay for cheaper than $5 that aren't on GameStop's 5 and under list. So I'm not even crossing cheap games off the list. I'm crossing games off the list for cheap. Nice. Um, so that's a really, really good thing. Just arm yourself with as much knowledge on prices of games and kind of the availability of them. Um, I wish you could just order used games off of GameStop and know you were going to get the, the, the case and the book because I would definitely be doing that every week. But I still use that information as a way to try to, to find good deals. And when you're getting games that at GameStop are, are $9.99 or $14.99, you're getting them for like 2 3 $4 a piece. Um, and sometimes mul- you know, the seller will have multiple games. You're combining that shipping. That's really important to do. Combine that shipping up. You're going to start crossing games off the list for a lot cheaper. And if I wouldn't have done that, I'd probably still be sitting under 100 games. But because I've started looking at the prices and, and, and trying to, to match up where things are, I've gotten some really, really good deals on just the most ridiculous games like Hello Kitty Picnic, where I'm not really wanting to spend 10 or $12 on that game, but when I can get it for like $2, that's that's really good. Nice. Yeah, and the other thing you can do, um, you said you don't, but you can actually order from GameStop's website, which is a total crapshoot on these types of games, especially now with like portable stuff because they always throw the cases away. Right. But if they come without the case, you can just take them right back to the store. You're not committed. I feel I feel guilty about doing that. Uh, you but know, it might come down they, to it. It really well, might. Well, I, I don't feel guilty because if they had a better system to tell you whether it just had the case or not, or, or like I ordered this but just don't send it to me if it doesn't have the case, if you could just mark that, that's on them. True. Like do a better job with your inventory system. True. Yeah, I can't I can't see any fault in that logic. Yeah, it's like, hey, it, look, I... You could you could prepare yourself to to do this and like you know what the way I feel about GameStop if if they get a little screwed mm, okay good you deserve it <laughs> so anyway no love lost there no not at all uh, I'm gonna we can't talk about it we will blow the clean li- lyrics filter for sure <laughs> okay moving if I start on talking about it. yeah so uh, second half of the show Cat why don't you take us into that. Okay, so now we usually close out uh, with what you've bought and what you're playing. So what have you bought lately? So I have picked up uh, Hakuoki Memories of the Shinsengumi Limited Edition. I picked up One Piece Romantic Dawn, which is a GameStop exclusive that had a numbered sleeve. I think they made 16,800 copies of that game, so 
Super limited. Yes, super limited. <laughs> um, so I picked that up. Both of those games I found for way cheaper. If you look at my, my my eBay chart here, almost everything says best offer accepted, best offer accepted, because I just put the most ridiculous price in that you can imagine, and sometimes sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you get the, the hate mail, like, why, why would you even do that? But a lot of times people you, – you get lucky because a lot of times people are just fishing for, um, you know, how uh, – I don't know what the word is. They want to see how much you'll spend. Yeah. And they know they, what they paid for it. So the, sometimes they can accept a low offer on it. Really, it doesn't, they're not losing money. Exactly. Still making. Exactly. So, so, do, so don't hesitate to put out low offers on things. Sometimes you'll get some, uh, it's, it's worth what you get back. Um, oh, for sure. So I picked up Hello Kitty Picnic. I talked about that. Jaws Ultimate Predator on the 3DS. I grabbed that. That had the lenticular. Um, it wasn't a lenticular like cover sleeve. It was just a sticker that they put on front. Really, I did not know about that. Yeah. Did they do a regular one of that as well? Well, the regular one would just be take the sticker off. So <laughs> I guess they well, made a limited amount of those stickers and then put them on however many and then just ship them out. I don't really know like what the distribution or any or the the numbers or anything like that but there's a couple games WWE All-Stars is another game that just has that lenticular sticker on the front I think Amazing Spider-Man I don't know if that's a slip cover or if it's just a sticker on the front but that's definitely one um so there's a few of those games where where you find those covers on a- I did not know about the sticker ones I yeah. did not know it was a sticker Do you feel like it's easy to tell the difference Um yeah, I can send you some detailed pictures so you can see. It's it's night and day. It's it's a okay. real. I mean, when you look at a lenticular cover, it's not a thin piece of th- something that's printed out. It's a real nice thick piece of stock. So okay. you'll be able to tell. All right. That it's on there. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like the the one they did on Claymates uh, for the Super Nintendo. It's got a. They put just a. I mean, it was a lenticular cover, but it was just a a sticker on a on a blank black box. Right. And then the last thing that I picked up was, um, again, I don't know if these were Target exclusives or not, but there was a couple games that were um, bundled with a, a Nintendo stylus. And the styluses had Mario and Luigi and uh, and Peach, and I think there's one other one too. You know, I, we could debate on those ones because I don't know – I don't count those as collector's editions. I don't know that they're collector's editions, but because they came sealed that way, like the the game is sealed and then that's sealed over top of it. And so right. if I'm going to buy like, the standard version of that game, I might as well grab one with a stylus because they're really not that much more expensive and they and it looks cool. I I, I agree on yeah. that point, but like I, I don't stress out if I can't find cuz I those editions are target only, I think. Yeah. Like you see like the SpongeBob with like a a, a SpongeBob item in it. And I, I think that was something Target did like in their distribution centers like they got the game and then packaged it up because they did that with uh, Harry Potter and a few other yeah. games. Yeah, and that's one of those things where, like, you were talking about collector's editions. Do you need them or not? And that's just one of those things, like, you can take these collections as, as far as you want to go. Um, there's a game on the 3DS that's, uh, that's a Hot Wheels game. And the, there's a bundle that comes with a car in it. And that's pretty cool. Like, you get the game and you get a little Hot Wheels car, right? But there's so many different Hot Wheels cars that are imaginable for that. It's like, do you want every single one, or are you happy with just having one? And how many do you have, Chris? Um, I'm supposed to have two, but the second one still hasn't come in the mail yet. Um, but I really want to look and see like how available these things are. Um, I might stay content with just having two. Um, if I can figure out how they distributed them, um, and it wasn't just randomly out of the warehouse, like here, just grab a handful and put them in the box. 
Um, if there's actually a system to it and there's a set number, I might try to get them all. Um, but if I'm going for a full set of 3DS, I think I'm going to try to focus on that first and then leave that on the back burner. Like if it shows up, maybe I'll add one to the collection and just kind of leave it as a running thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, they, they kind of did a similar thing on the N64 with uh, Micro Machine. Right. There was a version that had a Micro Machine. And I don't know if anyone figured out exactly how many Micro But I know there was at least like five or six. We will never know. So that's what you've bought. And uh, what have I bought? Uh, I bought a Super Nintendo game, which is good for me because I only needed two. And now I'm down to actually zero. So zero... Super Nintendo games left. Wow. Congratulations. So now you have no idea what to do. <laughs> that Vita, right, though. Which, That's Vita yeah, time. Yeah, well, well, now, I, and to, to your guys' point, I'm like, what do I buy? Uh, I bought a bunch of Vita games. I bought, like, a couple Wii U games. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just like, I bought, like, a few Game Boy games. I've got no system right now. You've, I'm out of and I'm out of control. You've abandoned your focusing on a couple main things, and you're just going crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I reeled myself in. I, I went crazy for like three days, and that that can be financially damaging if you're me. Um, but I reeled myself back, and I think I may continue with the Vita because now I'll have like over a hundred Vita games, and I think there's only maybe 150 in the set right now. So I may continue on that one slowly, but I think I'm going to focus at the Wii. Okay. I, I think so. Um, you know, but I'm also now at the ability to go and pick up, like, sweet games that I was just like, oh, I really wanted this game, and I never picked it up. Right. So, like, uh, I, I just i am going to get uh, Solomon's Key. Uh, uh, if you know Solomon's Key from uh, the NES, there was a Game Boy version, and I, I never got it because I was like, ah, oh, I, I just... It's not on the list. I don't collect for Game Boy, so just avoid it. But I went and I picked that up for cheap. Got hooked up by uh, Joan Bone, if you know who he is on Instagram. He gave me a good deal on that. So that'll be here soon. So that's kind of the stuff I bought. I bought, like, all over the place. Stay tuned on Instagram. You'll you'll see some weird-ass pictures. Like, I bought a Repro. Like, I, I've been literally just, you know, without a compass. So you just got it out of your system, and now you can reel yourself back in. R- right, exactly. Well, and maybe. Uh, re- <laughs> returned the digital pinball machine so i got like a chunk of money in my paypal account too so you know i'm just like there's nothing tethering me here i have like i just have a stack of money sitting in paypal so just do what i want you're like i'm gonna spend it (laughs) pretty much i I should be saving it for a vacation that's what i should really do oh well let me know what wins games or vacation (laughs) um i'm hoping vacation okay we'll stay tuned but yeah we'll we'll stay tuned on that so Anyways, Kat, what did you buy? Actually, I feel like what I bought yesterday is really fitting for what we recorded. I finally picked up Bravely Second, which I'm hoping I'm going to get time to play at some yes. point during the night. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I've been slow to get it, but it, it I had time, so I was like, I'm going to pop in and get this, and then I will have something to sit down and play when I have time. Right, so no more gardening in Minecraft? Oh, no, I'm sure there will still be gardening in Minecraft. I need something to drink wine and play. All right, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and um, I guess we can go into what are we playing. So. Watch out for that Bravely Second Collector's Edition, though, because that box is absolutely huge. It is enormous, actually. It was way bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, it's I haven't seen it twice the size. Pictures. It's at least twice the size of the original Collector's Edition, and uh, I had to move my shelves up a little bit just to fit that game on there. 
I, I think, Kat, if you look at my Instagram, I think I put a side by. Oh, did you? I think so. There's, Back- there's definitely one on mine. Okay. I'll go have a look then. So, what what are you playing, Chris? Um, In my 3DS right now, oddly enough, is Ocarina of Time 3D. Because um, I realized I hadn't played the game since... Let's see, I played it in 98 when it first came out. And then when my brother... I ordered, I pre-ordered Wind Waker for him um, way back in the day. And then like a year later, it finally came out. And of course, it came with all those bonus discs. So I think I messed with it a little bit there. But I hadn't really revisited that game in a long time. So I'm playing that in there. Um, and then you're going to yell at me, but I, because I have kids, I just play a bunch of crap on my phone. <laughs> I have all these games on the shelf, and I play like these freemium games on my phone because it's just something to do. No, I look, I hear you. I, I played the Simpsons freemium game for a good long while. They're fun. They're it, it, It's challenging. It's tempting to like throw a couple dollars in there, but when you don't, it's actually quite challenging and fun, and, and there's some really good content. I'm playing Final Fantasy Record Keeper right now, and it's cool that they've included like every single franchise game in this one little like freemium game. Um, yeah, I actually downloaded that to check it out after your recommendation. Yeah, it's it's fun to mess around with. I wouldn't call it a masterpiece, but the, the, I mean the music's there, the characters there, so they had me sold right at that, and and it's free, so like that's right up my alley. Yeah, uh, free everybody can afford. <laughs> yes. Cat, what about you? What are you playing? Um, unfortunately, not much of anything because I feel like it was Monday and now it's Sunday. Um, but I am going to play some Bravely Second. And when I get tired and need something mindless, then I'm going to switch to my gardening on Minecraft. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It um, works. Let's see. What did I play? I played a little bit of Final Fantasy. I've been trying to get Final Fantasy, uh, like a good edition of the original one to play. I really want to play the PSP one again, and my dilemma is, um, my PSP is, I want to hook it up to the TV, and I don't know what the, where the, that wire went, so I gotta reorder that. So I spent, like, a good hunt doing that, and then playing it, and then, like, checking out the Wii U version, if it was any good, or seeing if I could buy it on the Vita, and then transfer it to the PlayStation TV, but it was, like, the wrong edition. I want the, the version on the PSP is a really good edition, because it takes all the stuff that was like on the DS version, on the updates, and or on, I guess on the GBA. It updates that even further and adds the extra dungeons and stuff and kind of polishes some of the graphics. So I wanted to go through it because I haven't. Um, aside from that, I played a little bit of uh, pinball. You know, I was playing pinball again and just a little bit of Call of Duty. I was getting kind of angry, and I, I played a little bit more Overwatch. It's growing on me a little bit, but it's still not my favorite thing yet. I, I like playing it most. When I have friends to play it with, then I'm then I'm really enjoying it. But when I'm just turning it on and playing by myself, I'm not having much fun. Okay, so you're still not doing it. Not exactly. You know, I will say more or less, but really it's less. Uh, I think it's a good game to play with people, like when you when you have a team and you can communicate. But if you're just like playing with a bunch of rando scrubs, kind of awful. Okay. And I mean, I include myself, like, as one of those rando scripts. I just get tossed into a team and am completely awful, and they're just like, why are you? I've actually, I've had that message from, from people. Why are you here? <laughs> like, oh, it's okay, cool. Nice, thank you. There's um, feel great. There's something to be said about playing with friends. Um, 
anyone that knows me knows that like first person shooters are not my thing whatsoever. Like I, I, the last first person shooter I think I enjoyed was like Wolfenstein 3D back on like the original, you know, back on the PC or whatever, um, when it first came out. Um, so I'm not into that at all, but I remember for, for many months going and, um, and playing Halo 2 at a friend's house, just four player local. And as much as I hate first person shooters, that's some of the most fun I've ever had playing games because I was playing with other people and it was, it was right there. It wasn't over the internet and things like that. So, um, I think that says something about, you know, the, uh, the community of gamers. And uh, we touched about that earlier with collecting and having people to talk to and, and things about that. I think that's really what keeps a lot of people, including myself, in it so much is that interaction with people, even if it's something that's not necessarily your cup of tea. Yeah, and that's how I actually got started playing Call of Duty, because I'm like, this game is really stupid, why? And then I had, like, three friends who were like, come just play with us, like, we just screw around and we talk, and, like, really it's just, like, sitting on the couch and, and talking. You're not worried about, like, how good you are at the game, you're just, you know, having a good time. If you get a great kill, then you, know, you got something to talk about. Exactly. Yeah, there's a reason why those games sell so well, even though I personally don't like them, I mean, it, it still helps those developers and the and the systems that they put the games out for. It helps them kind of like put out the stuff that we like, um, because so many people buy into that stuff. So even though I really have a dislike for those kind of games, especially like the Madden games, um, I, I respect that it, it helps draw people into that community and really kind of gives us the you know the ability to play the games that we want to play. I heard the next Call of Duty that they're putting out is actually the Baltimore edition. <laughs> and every map is in Baltimore, and you just play as a resident of Baltimore. You you pick, like, uptown, midtown. Like, that's how you pick. You just, like, You're really liking areas. this Baltimore thing. I I kind of am. I actually really love the history and the story of Baltimore, actually. Uh, you know, it's got an interesting story. Even their football team you know, is named uh, after Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. At least that's what I think I read somewhere. Yes. So, like, uh, you know, and the Orioles have great colors, black and orange. You know, I love Halloween, so it's like perfect colors for me. And also they had, you know, a legend in, in Cal Ripken. Well, it's like an amazing streak, just like the, his Iron Man streak is crazy good, even though I don't follow baseball. I, the The dedication and the accomplishment of that is still something interesting to me. The Wire, a show I like very much, happened there, so that's why I make the Baltimore jokes. If you uh, do, you watch House of Cards at all? Yes, I do. House of Cards. Some of that is filmed in the county that I live in. It's we're 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 just north of Baltimore, but a lot of that stuff is is filmed in our area. Well, that's nice. neat. Yeah, to know. it's pretty cool. Yes. So I I make fun of Baltimore, and I mean I don't ever ever never ever want to live there. But I, I think it's interesting to read about. Oh, we make we make fun of it too. There's a running gag I had for a few years where I was like, M&T Bank Stadium where the Ravens play. I was like, the stadium's prohibiting weapons into the stadium this year, which is really going to hurt the Ravens' defense. <laughs> nice. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, I mean, could be worse. Could be the Cowboys. <laughs> the most jailed franchise ever, I think. Anyway, I think that's kind of does it for us unless Cat wants to talk football. No, no, I'm good. We're done. <laughs> No, oh, we're done. Okay, football's the oblong ball. Yeah, you know, yeah, I know one? what the football uh, is, but I don't want to hear any more about it. <laughs> I, I second that. Right. Okay, good, good to know. Basketball's my game, anyways. So that will do it. Let's uh, let's hear where to find everybody on Instagram. Cat, where can we find you? You can find me at Cat Sylvania, K A T S E L V A N I A. And Chris, I'm the 3ds collector. 
uh, on Instagram. You can also find me there on Twitter, although I, I use it to like retweet contests, so you're really not going to find a whole lot of content there. So Instagram it is. So, and that's, tell us how, how that's spelled, because you kind of got it all run together, right? Yeah, it's just all one word. T-H-E, the number three, D-S, collector. All one word. Okay. No underscores, no fancy things, just old-fashioned. All right. Um, mine, you can find me at Johnny underscore Iuchi. You can also visit GameOverJohnny.com. And now, if you want to listen to this podcast on YouTube, you can search Johnny Iuchi. And you can find uh, some of the podcast now on YouTube. That's a thing we've started doing, so you can look for it there. I add some pictures of people's collections, maybe some pictures I don't even show on Instagram. We we throw those up, and uh, pictures of Cat and myself, and just whatever I can cram in there. Uh, I could just just do like one static image, but I kind of thought maybe I'd throw a little more into there, though it will get repetitive after 45 minutes. Make it a little bit more interesting. And definitely go and check out our uh, Instagram page for the podcast at collectors underscore quest underscore podcast. Right. That's new, too. And that's where we will house a lot more of this stuff. And when we revisit, like, throughout the week, we'll throw up the announcement. And then throughout the week, we'll show extra pictures of Chris's collection. So you can see those. And, uh, you know, we'll also maybe talk about a few old episodes you might have missed and want to see. So that does it for us this week. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.